Hello everyone, I'm Eugene Weaver, and it is time once again for another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror-related, gore-related, slasher-related, fantasy-related, gems in the rough, hard-to-find movies, movies that should be seen and have not been seen nearly enough. And today I'm going wa- uh, to talk about three movies that are a little bit more mainstream, uh, but still definitely fall under the soft underbelly category, especially uh, upon rewatching. And um, most of the listeners out there will have either heard of these movies or have seen them more than more than likely because all three of them did. Uh, some did, a couple did really good. One of them did so so, but it it garnered uh, enough publicity that it spawned this director's other works. And I'm going to be talking today about Eli Roth and Eli Roth's Cabin Fever and Hostile Parts 1 and 2. And if I have time, I might even hit on the non-Eli uh, Roth-directed uh, Hostile Part 3, which was directed by Scott Spiegel of uh, the Evil Dead series. He, he was involved in Evil Dead. Um, but I'm going to get into the Eli Roth movies, and uh, mainly because I just watched Cabin Fever again for the umpteenth time on Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray uh, features the unrated version of the movie, the director's cut, that uh, after its initial screening, once Lionsgate purchased it, uh, they re-edited some scenes, took out some of the graphic violence, and changed the ending around a little bit, and... Uh, so for all for the DVD release, they just had the the Lionsgate version, and that's the version that I've been watching. Uh, several years ago, Cabin Fever was released on Blu-ray, and it got a the the director's cut version, which is significantly better in my opinion. It works um, it works much better. It flows much better. It has a couple new character beats, and of course, the violence that was already fairly grotesque is upped as well, and I always like that. So. Back of the, the cover here, if you haven't seen the movie, here's the synopsis real quick. Jeff, Karen, Paul, Marcy, and Bert embark on a vacation deep into the mountains. With the top down and the music up, they drive to a remote cabin to enjoy their last days of decadence after college. Then somebody gets sick. Karen's skin starts to bubble and burn as something grows inside her, tunneling beneath her flesh. As the others try to save her, they look at one another and realize that any of them could be next. One by one, they turn on each other and the rest of the town, realizing that the disease is the least of their problems. Um, I uh, I love, love, love Cabin Fever. Um, I love the fact that it's a very low-budget movie, but uh, he works the budget wonderfully. The first time I watched this movie, I was expecting a full-on horror movie, and this is actually a very, very black comedy, uh, a sick comedy, You could, I guess you could say, and upon rewatching, with that in mind, it gets infinitely better, knowing that it's just a bizarro, weird, very weird movie, with some David Lynch-type stuff thrown in there, a couple homages to The Shining, even. Um, KMB effects work is great in this movie, and uh, it's 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 a very gory movie, but not not so much that all you know about all you remember from Cabin Fever is the gore. It's it's done in a way that every now and then something crazy happens, but it's not it's not one of these where it's just constantly all the way through. You're it's just a bloodbath. Uh, so 
I liked that. Uh, I love that the end of the movie, I don't want to give too much away, but the characters are, you love to hate every single character. And I, I love that. The, again, that's another thing that the more I like it, the more I appreciate the characters and their weird character beats. They all are kind of weird, just a little bit off. Um, and I, I really like that, especially the character Bert. Uh, he's he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk. They all are, but he's he's the most... And his lines are just hilarious in in this movie, and uh, and especially watching the making of on this is is quite interesting. Uh, just a young Eli Roth making a somewhat low budget movie that that ends up getting picked up by Lionsgate, and it does enough business that it garners uh, Hostel and then Hostel Part Two. So and then you know Eli Roth has done a bunch of other stuff now as well, both producing, acting, all that good stuff. I'm a big fan of Eli Roth, by the way. He gets a ton of hate. And uh, I like him. I think that uh, I, I love seeing a younger guy able to make an independent movie and get it distributed, released, all that good stuff. And, I mean, now he's, you know, he's starring in Tarantino movies. And uh, he's got another movie that was supposed to come out in January. The, uh, uh, oh, what was it called? The Jungle, something Jungle. It's a, it's a, a cannibal throwback movie. I really, really, really was looking forward to seeing that. And then it got pulled at the last minute. I'm not sure if the uh, studio behind that, which was a kind of an, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of them if they went under or what the deal was there. But anyway, Eli Roth is still definitely doing work. And I just, I wonder what happened to his, his, uh, his cannibal movie. So a couple notes here on cabin fever. I'm just looking through the trivia on IMDb. Uh, and I had, I had read a lot of this stuff before, but Peter Jackson had actually stopped production on Lord of the Rings The Return of the King in 2003 three times to screen this movie for the entire crew. Jackson was so enthusiastic about the film he gave director Eli Roth publicity quotes. And I think that's fantastic. I, uh, um, I love that. I love the fact that – and in fact, it's on the cover of the Blu-ray here. An unrelenting, gruesomely funny bloodbath. I loved it. And I, I understand why Peter Jackson got it and, and liked it is because it's, it's somewhat similar to – his uh, first three horror movies, Bad Taste, Dead Alive, and Meet the Feebles, in, in that it's just this weird hybrid of gore and off-color humor. It's just it's very bizarro, and I, I really, really like that. Um, a couple other notes here. Um, uh, one thing here is Eli Roth actually got the idea for this movie while uh, working in Iceland on a horse farm. He got such a, a bad skin infection there that... Uh, from the rotting hay in the barn that his face broke out in sores and blood and peeled off when he shaved. And hence that gave him the idea of Cabin Fever. And there's actually a scene in in uh, in Cabin Fever where Serena Vincent is shaving her legs and her skin starts to come off. Uh, uh, and it's just gross. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just uncomfortable. And, ugh. Um, and, I mean, these kids do everything wrong, uh, Everything that they should not do, they end up doing, and um, that's that's okay. Um, it, it, I, I I dig it. I love it. The uh, there's a, a sheriff in this movie, um, deputy. Oh, what's his name? He's he's such a bizarre character. Such a bizarre character. Um, I just want to look through the notes here. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing it in the note, but there's a sheriff on in here, and he's such a weird character. Uh, he almost seems like uh, the police officer from the original Friday the Thirteenth that shows up on a motorcycle. This guy shows up on a bicycle, and he's just really odd. 
And so I wonder if if Roth took his cues from from that guy. And there's also the pancake guy, the kid uh, Dennis, and he starts screaming pancakes and does his weird karate type stuff. And uh, I thought that was hilarious uh, because the movie at that point is is getting so bizarre and weird with with what's going on with the with the college kids in the cabin and just it gets more and more surreal and dark and really weird. Um, in the credits, I I liked that there was the uh, the Shemp and the fake Shemp, which are uh, little little nods to Evil Dead. The Evil Dead series has the the fake Shemps in there. The director's cut ending works a lot better, I think. Uh, and again, I don't want to spoil that, uh, so you just have to watch it and enjoy it. Just know that this is a a virus infection spreading type of thing, and you don't trust anybody and everybody's out for themselves. So it, it was a cool movie. Writer Strong was really good. Jordan Ladd's in it. Uh, James DeBello, Serena Vincent. Uh, they're all good. Uh, Joy Kern, uh, I liked the entire cast. And again, the more I watch it, the more I really enjoy this movie. So big, big thumbs up. It did spawn uh, several uh, several sequels. And now supposedly it's getting remade and that's so bizarre to me but i guess if spider-man can do it then so can cabin fever but it's just weird that uh, a movie that was released in 2002 is getting a remake um and you know if this didn't do gangbusters at the box office it did good enough to it was it was a low enough budget i think it was an estimated 1 to 1.5 million dollars um so it you know that's not much that that's not much money to invest in a movie that gets a wide release and does, I want to say it did 15 to $20 million. That's pretty good. Um, but the sequels are, are worthy of talking about all on their own at some other time. I will say that, uh, cabin fever, cabin fever, part two, spring fever directed by Ty West is a complete and total 100% studio botch job. Ty West doesn't normally make bad movies, and you can tell that there is a little bit of Ty West in, in Cabin Fever 2. However, uh, the movie is a complete mess. It, little of it makes sense. And uh, they, it's, it's gruesome and slimy and gross. Uh, but the funny, witty humor of the original is not in there. And it's just, oh, man, that was a chore to get through. Or a big chore to get through. So uh, I would say stay very, very far away from Cabin Fever 2. Now, Cabin Fever 3, on the other hand, and I know I'm rabbit trailing here, but oh well, uh, it was called Patient Zero, and it has very little to do with Cabin Fever, although, now, Cabin Fever 2 did take place right after the original Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever Patient Zero is supposedly uh, is the origin story, but it doesn't really connect in any way whatsoever with Cabin Fever. Having said that, that's a good movie. I've watched it two times now, and both times it's a gory, fun, silly movie. It's nothing to be taken seriously, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the first one, uh, you'll enjoy this one. It's it's kind of its own thing. In fact, I would say you should almost just take away the title Cabin Fever and have the subtitle uh, Patient Zero. That's all it needs to be. Uh, this is another one of those capitalizing on a somewhat relatively famous movie and director. And that's why it's called Cabin Fever, in my opinion. Otherwise, it has nothing to do with Cabin Fever at all. But it's a good movie in its own right, and it should be seen. Uh, I know I know that Cabin Fever Patient Zero is on Netflix streaming. Uh, I got the Blu-ray of it because I enjoyed it that much. 
but I definitely say give uh, Patient Zero a shot, even if you're not really interested in Cabin Fever itself. It's a cool little low-budget movie that deals with very similar things of Cabin Fever, except it's set on an island, and it's uh, I think it's a Spanish production, but good times. It was a good movie. I liked it. So anyway, um, I could keep going with some other trivia on uh, on Cabin Fever because Lord knows there's a whole bunch. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm go- there's a couple more things I just wanted to touch base on. Um, the uh, the brand of beer seen on top of the fridge as, as Jeff takes all the beer and abandons his friends. And that's another thing is is because the water is tainted, they just uh, a couple of the guys decide, okay, all we're going to do is drink beer. That's all we're going to do. We're, dr- we're just going to drink beer from here on out. And the, uh, the, ty- the name of the beer is An- Arrogant Bastard Beer. And that's pretty much, that sums up most of the characters in this movie is Arrogant Bastard. So, um, yeah, here's a couple, uh, here's box office notes here. Movie was the lowest budget of any of Lionsgate's movies released in 2003, $1.5 million, and was the highest grossing film of 2003 for them, $22 million. That was their highest grossing movie of 2003. And there, right there, that shows why Roth was able to do Hostel. Um, it was also the most profitable horror film released in 2003. And $22 million isn't, uh, you know, in, in wide theatrical releases isn't considered a huge amount. But I'll tell you what, on a $1.5 million budget, that speaks volumes there. So um, the original killer dog, Jake, was hired without a rehearsal and sight unseen because Eli Roth loved the idea of using the dog in the Patrick Swayze movie Black Dog. Uh, and thereby being only two degrees from Swayze. Uh, the problem was the dog was by then four years older, arthritic, and tired. After a day of shooting, and uh, if all of the few second bits were spliced together expertly, they had only about a minute's worth of footage from this dog that they could use. So all the dog scenes had to be reshot with a new dog. Uh, and with no time or money to find a replacement, the producers cast a real police attack dog that was so vicious and unpredictable, no actors could appear with it on camera. The crew would hide behind trucks during its scenes, and the cameras were operated by remote control. And and they show some of this on the, in the making of on this movie. The, um, that dog was crazy. It was a German Shepherd, and it was nuts. Uh, so I, I think that that's so cool that that's one of those things that ingenuity goes a long way on movies like this to where, okay, the first dog didn't work, and so they they literally get a real police attack dog. I think that's brilliant. I, I think that's a great idea. Um, Serena Vincent, uh, she's been in some other stuff. Uh, she was in Not Another Teen Movie, and she was in this horror movie called Murder Set Pieces. She had a cameo in that. And she's been in some other B-horror type stuff. Um, and uh, Eli Roth had wanted Serena Vincent when she had her sex scene with Ryder Strong in the movie to be completely naked, but Vincent, um, she had she was pretty much completely naked all the way through Not Another Teen Movie in 2001. So she was ex- she was concerned about overexposing herself uh, as she would be a nude a nude scene chick. So she just refused to. Uh, she she showed she was topless, but but that was it. But it's kind of funny because. Um, you know, I, I don't really think that Serena Vincent is a huge actress right now, but um, anyway, so I just thought that was funny. I'll show my boobs, but I won't show my 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 crack. So yeah, there you go. Um, uh, th- there was um, there was some uh, info on the uh, on the way the movie was filmed as well. Uh, as the movie goes on, it gets more and more dark and grimy and um, and gritty 
throughout, and I think that was really, really cool. Um, you, you, the more you watch it, the more you realize it. And a lot of horror movies do that, where it's as as the movie goes on and it gets more sinister, things get more darker. But uh, this one here, if you know it and you are watching it, it de- you definitely feel that. Uh, I I actually enjoy watching Eli Roth act as well. I think that he's he is a very a very confident director and I and so I, and very outspoken and so I enjoy watching him act. Uh, he was in he had a he had a scene in this movie that I thought was really really good. He was funny in it. And uh, he's been in some other movies as well, mainly uh, Inglorious Bastards, which I thought that he was great in Inglorious Bastards. But uh, I always enjoy watching Eli Roth act as well. So, um, so one last thing on Cabin Fever is of the 347 films shown at the 2002 Toronto International Film Festival, Cabin Fever was screened last and became the highest-selling movie at the festival. Uh, nearly all of the nine studios who engaged in a bidding war had passed on the movie at the script stage except the eventual winner, Lionsgate, which was not in existence when the script was first written. So it's funny because all of these other studios passed and then Lionsgate gets them. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I will say watching the director's cut, I'm still very, very, very surprised that they went and changed things around. I mean, I, I guess I can understand to secure an R rating, but the, some of the other things that they changed didn't make sense other than for a timing thing to, to keep it a little bit more closer to 90 minutes versus the 98 minutes that the director's cut is. However, it, it's just weird that they would do that because um, it's it's significantly better, the director's cut. There's, I mean, it's significantly better. So uh, anyway, that would be Cabin Fever. Next up is um, my... Uh, it's hard for me to pick a favorite of, of Eli Ross. I think that Hostel Part 2 is probably my favorite movie from him. But uh, Hostel is a great, great movie. Uh, came out in 2005. I'm going to read the back of the cover here, although most of you will probably know what this movie is. Uh, college friends Paxton and Josh are lured by a fellow traveler to what's described as a nirvana of a, for American backpackers. A particular hostel in an out-of-the-way Slovakian town stocked with Eastern European women as desperate as they are gorgeous. The two friends arrive and soon easily pair off with exotic beauties Natalia and Svetlana. In fact, too easily. Initially distracted by the good time they're having, the two Americans quickly find themselves trapped in an increasingly sinister situation that they will discover is as wide and as deep as the darkest, sickest recesses of the human nature itself, if they survive. Um, So there's the synopsis of the movie. I watched this with my co-host, Eric Marner, back in 2005 when it came out on a double header one weekend. It was Hostel and a a Yui Bull movie that was just terrible. Uh, I think Blood Rain, I think. Um, It was terrible. But then Hostel was... Uh, everything that movie was not. This was awesome. Uh, this is my type of horror movie here, and I know that that this ha- this is the movie that kind of set off the uh, torture porn, uh, quote unquote, subgenre, I guess. And um, to me, I I I think that this is a slasher movie, kind of. It's just a nasty crime drama horror movie. Um, it's it's not like they're reveling in the torture. They are. I mean, to a certain extent, they 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 show it, but. Um, but it's not, I, I don't know, it's hard for me to describe. It, it, for me, it's almost more of a, a crime thriller. It's not all-out horror, because uh, uh, it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to describe. Really, it is, and, I, and it was very different at the time, and I think that that's so cool that uh, that Eli Roth did something different. Quentin Tarantino, 
liked it, and so he did the whole, you know, Eli Roth, or uh, Quentin Tarantino presents Eli Roth's Hostel. So that, of course, gave it some notoriety as well. Uh, and the first Eli Roth, uh, the first Hostel movie did Gangbusters. Uh, it made, um, it, the budget was four $4,800, and um, let's just see here. I, I know that the movie did... Uh, very, very, very well. In the United States, I believe that the final gross was uh, almost $50 million. That's that's uh, substantial. And worldwide, I want to say that the movie did about 80 to $81 million. Uh, that's huge. That's, that's a huge, huge, huge uh, haul. Um, so some different notes on this movie. Uh, Jay Hernandez is in the movie as Paxton, and I think that he is great. And he's uh, he he's at first he's kind of the uh, he's the the jock a hole that no one likes, and he fast becomes the hero of our story. And I don't want to give too much away, although the first half of this movie is almost completely non horror at all, and it is just basically it's almost like a a sleazy slob comedy, raunchy slob comedy, where there's just tons of nudity. And these guys are just, you know, tearing through Europe, going to strip clubs and partying hard. Um, and uh, and then things take a turn for the very, 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 uh, very bad halfway through the movie. But it is almost like it's two movies. And I, I love how they set up the characters. And you... I liked the characters in this movie. And so... By the midway point, you're invested in their in the characters. You're invested in what they're doing, and it's kind of all fun and games, and it's funny. And then things take a very, very sinister turn. So it's not like uh, a Friday the Thirteenth type movie where we're introduced to ten to fifteen college kids, and then in about ten fifteen minutes they start getting knocked off. That's not the case in this movie at all. Uh, not a whole lot happens until the midway point. Although you're totally engrossed in the movie, at least I was totally engrossed in the movie. I thought that it was. Uh, I thought it was brilliant how how they did that and the justification of of the sleazy beginning to the crazy second half where it all hell breaks loose. Um, a couple notes here of the movie: the interior of the slaughterhouse was filmed at a functioning mental hospital in Prague, built in 1910, in a wing that had been closed for over 50 years. Um, Building 10, where many of the scenes were filmed, was where the craziest patients were taken. The basement was so creepy that Eli Roth had a string quartet playing classical music to make it feel cozier while shooting. So, there you go. Uh, there's uh, there's some great cameos in this. Uh, uh, which, I, I'm, you know what, I'm not even going to spoil them. You should watch them, though. Because uh, I think that... Uh, that they, they should be... If, you, if you're a big horror fan, you'll pick them out. I think it's very, very cool. Um... Uh, a couple other notes here. The uh, the character of Natalia was deliberately shown to get uglier throughout the film, just like her personality, and that is that is very true. Because when these girls, they're they're the whole point that they are in the movie is they are hired by this company that that snags uh, tourists, and then these tourists are then subjected to torture uh, and killing by any means, whatever it takes uh, from people that are the highest bidders on like there's these bidding wars and then people come to this place and they can do whatever they want to these hapless tourists. And so there's girls and guys that are out there in Europe that are trying to, um, trying to snare these tourists, unlucky tourists into 
coming to this place or being drugged or whatever. And so uh, Natalia is one of the characters in it. And that's very true is she's smoking hot. Her and the, uh, and her, uh, the other girl that she's, that she's running around with in the very beginning of the movie, um, uh, Svetlana, they're, they're, you know, model good looking. And as the movie progresses, they get uglier and uglier. Like the makeup starts to come off and the hair starts to get ratty. And all of a sudden they're just, ugh, they look like disease ridden Eastern European whores. And so it worked quite well, I thought. Um, Eli Roth asked the president of Iceland for an official pardon to, for making Icelanders look like drunken sex maniacs with the character of Ollie. And I really liked Ollie. I thought that the, that Ollie was a funny character in the movie. Uh, the president laughed and gave Roth the pardon, saying it represented a side of Icelanders not shown in movies. Roth, Roth also issued a former apology to the Icelandic minister of culture for all the damage hostile may have caused to Iceland's reputation. So... Uh, Eli Roth hired real street kids to play the bubblegum gang. Um, over 150 gallons of blood were used in the making of the movie, nearly three times the amount used in Eli Roth's first movie, Cabin Fever. And it is there. It's This movie is uh, is rough. Um, there is a... Uh, this is kind of funny. There's a porn film that the guard at the uh, factory where these these tourists end up at is watching on DVD and it's called Sex Fever, and it's an X-rated parody of Ross' first film, Cabin Fever. So um, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, it's, it's Some of this stuff is kind of funny to me, like the number one scariest movie of all time on Bravo's TV special, 100 Scariest Movie Moments. Uh, it's like, what, really? I don't think so. Uh, but it's still it's still quite good. The film knocked Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe off the top spot both at the box office and when it was released on DVD. The production budget of Narnia was nearly 50 times the $4 million budget of Hostel, which earned $20 million in its opening weekend alone. Um, uh, Pulp Fiction has a little cameo in this movie, Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, uh, which I think was cool. Um... There, there's so, so, so many notes on on uh, this movie, um, but I, I'll tell you what I really, really liked this movie. The uh, oh, of course, there, there is a reference to The Shining in here, and you'll you'll see it when you watch the movie. They stay in room two three seven in their hostel, and that's of course a reference to The Shining. Uh, all those little things are that's stuff that I would do in in the movie. So uh, anyway. There's other notes that I could say about uh, about the first Hostel, but, um, you know, I could talk Hostel 1 for probably an hour straight because I love that movie. Uh, so I'm running fast out of time, and I'm just trying... I'll just quick hit on Hostel 2, which is unfortunate because I wanted to spend more time on Hostel 2. Um, but Hostel 2, basically, Hostel 2 is, instead of guys being trapped into doing what, you know, getting trapped into these, this big warehouse, it's now females. And uh, they're, they're lured to the Slovakian hostel, and then things go from bad to worse there. Uh, this movie had uh, a great cast. Uh, th- this is my favorite Eli Roth movie, by the way. Everything about this movie, I thought, improved on the first hostel. Uh, I think that the girls in this movie are great. Uh, I think that um, that the violence in this movie by, from KMB Effects is just insane. Uh, it's such a rough movie. Uh, this thing here is 
really, really uh, kind of like the the Evil Dead remake. Hostel Two has a couple scenes where I'm like, how did they get away with this? And I, I grant, I understand. I have got the unrated version, but even the non-unrated version is so rough, and uh, I'm surprised that they were able to get away with with what they did. There's a lot of homage to earlier Italian movies. Um, Night Train Murders in particular, the girls end up on this train heading towards their next day. It's a group of college girls that are going on a trip through Europe. And so they're on this train and they get propositioned by some really shady looking Italian guys. And it is a complete, I'm guessing it's a, it's got to be a complete homage to uh, Night Train Murders, an old 70s Italian movie that I quite enjoy. Uh, so there's that to look out for. Lauren German is the... Uh, is one of the stars in the movie. I thought that she did very, very good um, as our main our main actress in the movie. Uh, and, and Heather um, Matazaro, uh, Mata, I'm going to butcher her last name, so I apologize. But uh, the girl, how about this? The girl that was in Welcome to the Dollhouse and The Princess Diaries is in this movie, and her first name is Heather. Uh, but she's good as a as the uh, somewhat nerdy. Uh, type girl, and I thought that she she was good. She uh, heard her. I don't want to spoil it, but um, things happened to her that I would not wish on anybody, even my worst enemy. So there's that. Uh, Jordan Ladd is in this for a little bit, and Jay Hernandez is back in a cameo of sorts to kind of wrap up the first hostel, and I loved that. Um, this is just the. This to me is such a good movie. This would probably go. Not probably. This will would go on my top 100 movies of all time that I've seen, and you know I I understand that probably there's probably a lot of people that don't like it, but I do. I think it's great. I love the. Uh, I love the music in the movie. It's so Eastern European. This movie just screams Eastern European much more so than the first Hostel, and uh, I think that's great. It's it. Everything about it is more sinister and more. Uh, more rough than the first one. Uh, so Eli Roth received some criticism from female uh, hostile fans over the excessive amount of female nudity in the first movie. Therefore, the first bit of nudity he included in the sequel was a brief shot of a fully naked man. And there really isn't a whole lot of nudity in this one versus the first one, which was just crazy. But um, with Emmy, it was just it was so smutty. This one here is much more focused on hardcore violence and trust me it is uh i have seen a lot of horror movies in my time and hostile part two is up there in the cringeworthy uncomfortable horror uh so um big big thumbs up oddly enough the blu-ray release of this has a very very odd color palette and i'm not sure what what it was but i recall not it not looking like that in uh, the theaters, so I'm not sure if Lionsgate tinkered with the uh, with the color scheme of the movie, but it's very saturated, and it it's just a bit off to me. However, don't let that distract you from picking up the Blu-ray. You can get it for cheap. Got great special features on it, and the special features really get into all the little uh, all the little things that they included in the movie as as lip service to other horror to other horror movies. Ruggiero Diodato. Uh, makes a cameo, which is really cool, and uh, there's just a, a ton of cool stuff in this movie. The uh, other, a uh, couple, couple other quick notes here. The two guys, this one here focuses a bit more on the actual people that are bidding on 
on doing the killing. So we actually see the villains in this movie and their lives and what they're doing and who they are, which is really cool. Roger Bart is one of the uh, one of the two guys, and Richard uh, Burgi, I believe, is how you pronounce his name. He is such a cool actor. Uh, really liked him in Hostel too, but he was in. He's been in some other stuff too. He was in uh, Starship Troopers Part Two, and I, I I thought that Starship Troopers Part Two was a really good movie. I'm gonna probably talk about that movie, and it's the original Starship Troopers as well at some point or another. Uh, but uh, I really like him, and he was just this twisted, twisted businessman that him and his brother uh, Stuart is is the character's name. They they're uh, they're all about paying the top dollar and going over to this Eastern European country and doing whatever the heck they want to these girls and bad things happen. Trust me. So I love the music. I love the pacing. I love the acting. The special effects. Everything about Hostel Part Two works on every single level. It's better than the original, uh, the first Hostel. It's better than Cabin Fever. It's certainly better than Hostel Part Three, which I do not have time to talk about today. Uh, I'll try and get into that movie at, at another another time, but it's still Hostel Part 3 is definitely worth watching, but don't run out. You don't have to run out to see it. Uh, but if you want hardcore, gritty uh, horror, Hostel 2 is your movie. So uh, I will say this, though. I would highly recommend you watch Hostel Part 1 first, just because the things are wrapped up a little bit from the first one in the very beginning of Hostel 2. Uh, but if you want a good doubleheader for horror movies, there you go. Hostel Part 1 and 2. And if you want a full afternoon or a full night of crazy, then Cabin Fever, Hostel, and Hostel 2 are your ticket. I love all three of them. Great movies. Keep it up, Eli Roth. I'm a big fan of yours. I will watch pretty much anything that you you do at this point. So I have now gone officially over my time, so I'm going to wrap things up here. You can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions or uh, if you want to share some info on other movies, movies that you want me to watch or things that I should stay away from, I'd love to hear from you. And be sure to check out my uh, my sister show with co-host Eric Marner, Movie Freaks. We're on YouTube. And, of course, Cinema Sidekicks are on iTunes. There are other buddies, and they they talk all things movies as well, and they're always a great listen. So that's going to do it for me today. I appreciate you listening, and until next time. <laughs>